Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Church at the Well in Towson, Maryland. To learn more about Church at the Well, visit our website, thewellbaltimore.com. And now, here's today's sermon from our pastor, Dane Carraway. We've been going through this series of The Bridge. Um, last week, we talked about the idea of being salt and light. My wife kind of alluded to that this morning about how we, we're called to be salty um, men, and, and that's kind of our job description. So what I want to do is we're, we're, uh, we're, we're almost done with the, end, uh, with the Sermon on the Mount, and I want to actually go to the end of it in Matthew chapter 7. Um, actually, you know, we're going to hop right into, the, uh, right into the passage so I have enough time. Let me go ahead and read it. I'm good? Sweet. Man, that was messing me up. Okay. You can hear me? I'm okay? Thank you. Um, So let me read. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who was in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Then in verse 24, it says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So let me just kind of paint the picture if you haven't been here or if you you just need a reminder. So Jesus is sitting on a mountain. Jesus is, he sat down and he kind of like sat down with the indication that his disciples would come and listen and sit close and and receive some teaching from him. Behind them is a big crowd of people. And Jesus is like, you know, being, uh, is being clear in two veins. He's like giving instructions on what it looks like and what the job description of somebody who would follow him would do and what they look like. But at the same time, Jesus is almost, he's preaching against the character and the position of the religious leaders. He's, he's, he's offering hope to all of these listeners who were not like them and who are, it was unattainable to have this righteousness that was displayed in these Pharisees and his religious leaders who were going to be persecuting him. And he was calling against them. This whole part, this whole first part of the passage, the idea that everyone who says uh, to me, Lord, Lord, like, like he's talking to them because they're going to get to the end of our, their lives and they would have done all of these things. But Jesus is, is calling people into like what the most important thing is the idea of building a foundation. I think it's appropriate that on Father's Day um, that, that we will be talking about the idea of what it means to be a wise man and a foolish man. Um, uh, uh, I, I could give the sermon, and you've probably heard it before, how you know, what's portrayed in our media is in every sitcom is that dad is an idiot, Right? Like pick one, Home Improvement, Family Matters, uh, um, King of Queens is one of my favorite ones. He's not a dad, but he's, he's, he's not smart. Um, you know, like, like, like that's who dad is. Everybody loves Raymond. Like he's just like, he's always pictured as not a smart guy. And what Jesus is saying is like, 
if you are smart, if you're wise, this is how you'll build your life. This applies for ladies too. And then he talks about the idea of being, of being foolish. And like, you're going to see that there's some things that are similar. That's going to happen in both circumstances. One, you're going to build on something. Everyone, whether you're, whether you're wise or foolish, you're building something. I hope you understand that if you are alive and you are, you know, as you grow, you're building your life on something. And if you're not doing much, then you're, you're probably foolish. So building is happening in both, in, in both scenarios to both people. Also, circumstances are happening to both people. Storms, right? Wise man, foolish man, storms come in both circumstances. It's not that if you're wise, you can avoid all storms. People say that people like to live in our area of the country because, like, we get the mildest of weather. We don't live on, in California where everything burns. We don't live up north where, like, they get real blizzards. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, ah, it's like, it's two feet of snow. We're still going to school, right? Or, like, like in the Midwest even. And we don't live in, in the South where we get tons of hurricanes. So we like to, to live here. But we know that even like living in Maryland, what our, I guess what our thing is, is that you never know what the weather's going to be. Like we're all enjoying 90 degrees, but who would be really shocked if tomorrow was 40 degrees? We'd be like, well, Maryland's going to Maryland. That, that, that's what we do, right? Storms come to, to, to both folks. The difference is the outcome. I wonder if you know that, like, being a believer, being a follower of Jesus, it does not stop people from dying. Man, I wish I could preach that sermon. Being a follower of Jesus does, does, not, like, does not stop you from, you know, financial hardships. I wish, I wish I could preach that sermon. Being a follower of Jesus does, 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 not, like, does not change life from happening. In fact, we've already talked about the sermons. We've already had the messages that said being a follower of Jesus actually invites circumstances because you're able to withstand them in the way that you withstand them, in the way that you do good work through those, people will look at and in turn glorify the Father in heaven. That's the idea of being salt and being light. So the question is that we need to look at is what kind of, what kind of builders are we supposed to be? Here's our big idea this morning is that we have to cross the bridge from hearing to doing. That's, that's the bridge that, you know, we, we've talked this whole time about, uh, uh, about going from one side of something to the other side of something, how Jesus is, is uh, how Matthew was writing this story about like uh, Old Testament understanding and, 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 and promise and, and prophecy to the idea of the fulfillment. And for us, like it's, the bridge is within us. It's, it's literally within us. It's going from like, like what we're hearing to having the heart and the feet to actually do it. Does that make sense? Like, like that's, and, and that's probably one of the hardest ones that we'll ever have. Yesterday, I, um, yesterday we went on the men's fishing trip. The guys were saying like, this is going to show up in, this is going to show up somehow in the sermon. Here's how it's going to show up. It's actually the part that you're not going to think it is. Um, I was super late, like embarrassingly late. Like forget CP time, like, like, like it, it was bad late because everybody just decided, you know, that they were going to Ocean City for, uh, for Juneteenth. Everybody. Like, I'm surprised y'all are here because y'all should be, like, the way traffic was, y'all should be on the bridge on the way to Ocean City right now. Um, it, 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 it was horrible how bad traffic was. And um, I called my wife, and I'm like, I, we may miss the boat. 
we may just have to, to we may just have to pull over here at Sandy Point, where everybody's at Sandy Point too, and, and just fish from here and wait for the guys to come back. And and in, in that like, and just in that regard, I think for a lot of us, we kind of see the bridge. And we see like how hard it would be for us to get across the bridge. We see like what it would take if we, we've listened and we've heard and we've read what God would call us to do, we would we want to do, but just the road to do it is just taxing. Maybe it's traffic. Maybe it's just like, it, it, I know what God wants me to do, but that's going to take too long. I live in a world that everything that I want to do, I can do in a minute. Like I, I can do it quickly. Or it's just scary. I'm sorry. I'm 34 years old. I hate driving across the Bay Bridge. It's too daggone big. It's huge. And it goes on forever. And by the way, like, for, for some reason, like, here's the problem I have with social media is that I feel like it knows my fears. Like, the algorithm knows what I'm scared of. So all week I've been getting served. I know I'm about to go across the Bay Bridge, and I've been getting served with ads about the biggest bridges in the world. So I'm looking at these bridges in Europe that are, like, half bridge, half tunnel. And I'm like, there's no way I would go across this. Put me on a plane Give me some Dramamine and I'll wake me up when I get there. I don't want to look at it. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And I think for a lot of us, it's the same way. Like, we know what God's calling us to do. That's just too scary to do. Forget that, like, like, like just fear. Like, not being scared, not like being a scaredy cat. It's just like, no, like, this is fear. Like, taking a step of faith is fear. Like, you know, letting something go is, it, like, it, it makes you scared. Confronting something in your life or somebody in your life that's fear. But I say all that to say that when, like, sometimes we look at the bridge that we have to cross or the things that we have to do, the, the going from just hearing something to doing something, and we look at the bridge and say, you know what, that's just, that's just too hard to do. Let's, let's, let me, let's press into this verse a little bit. We have to cross the bridge from hearing to doing. Jesus starts by saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So, those hearing the sermon uh, must have wondered about the religious leaders who would have been hearing this, who seem to be good men, teaching spiritual truths about Messiah and his kingdom. Jesus made it clear they were not good, for they were leading others astray. Even if they were doing a, a supernatural uh, deeds or prophesying in his names or, or driving out demons and performing many miracles, uh, many miracles, they were not obedient to the Father, continually doing his will. They would, be refer, uh, they would be refused admission into the kingdom because Jesus had no personal relationship with them. Like, that's just like, I mean, think about it. Like, what, what, uh, think about some of the things that Jesus des- uh, described said, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Let's bring that into our context, right? I don't know if we have a lot of those things happening. I don't know if these are gifts that are present in today. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But if like, I just think like, if this would be somebody that said, hey, uh, Jesus, didn't we... Uh, didn't we preach in your name? Didn't we like, this is not for the people up here. Didn't we like lead worship in your name? We had that conference like last, last summer and we had 2,000 people. Didn't we like do a conference in your name? Didn't we like sell like thousands of books in your name? 
I think the big point is that this isn't people who we would think or we wouldn't like just associate with folks that Jesus would be saying to depart from me. These are gonna be people that like, but like because of their actions, because of their vocation, because of the work that they do, that we would assume that they have a link towards Jesus. I mean, that's one of the hardest concepts that I have. Like it's it's scary now when like a pastor or somebody from faith dies and you kind of like pause just in case like something comes out about their life where you're like, before I make my nice little Facebook post like celebrating this guy's life, is anybody going to come forward with some secret sin that I'm going to be scared to be associated with? Because like many are going to come before him and say, Lord, didn't we do this, 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 and this? It's a scary concept, right? So then the question for us becomes like, how do we know? Like, like, like what, what do we do with this? Like, how do we, like, how do we, how do we trust anybody? Like, like all spirit, like, you know, like we just throw every, everything out. I think that what, what Jesus is doing is one, he's pointing f- folks back to himself because he can handle it. But he's also saying, stop looking for the religious leaders. Stop looking for their righteousness. Stop looking for how they walk and, and how there's, there's no love towards people. There's no, there's no care towards people. There's no, uh, there's, there's no humility found in them. And you make sure that you have a strong foundation. Remember how last week I was talking about how sometimes we, we take these passages and we segment them with the themes that are ahead of it. So you have like, here you have like Jesus saying um, that I never knew you. In some of your Bibles, that'll be the, the, the subject heading there. And then below it, it says, build your house on the rock. I think these are two joint ideas. I think Jesus is saying, you have these people that like, that, that you know, are gonna live their lives and they're gonna get to the end of their lives. And, it's, and I'm gonna say, I never knew you. You, like, you didn't have a relationship with me, depart from me. And what Jesus is saying, like, the way to avoid that is to be strong in your foundation, which is me. That's how we're supposed to approach life. You know what's interesting? Up to this point in Jesus's life, nobody had referred to him as Lord yet, directly. He wasn't our Lord and Savior yet. This is the first mention that Jesus, Jesus refers to himself as this. Like there was once where, um, uh, uh, where it, it, he was kind of referred to it in, um, in Matthew chapter three, uh, verse three, um, describing the role of John the Baptist. He says like, for this is he who was spoken of the prophet Isaiah when he said the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, right? But outside of that, that indirect indication, we don't see it yet. Nobody had addressed Jesus as Lord. So this is kind of like the the introduction um, to see this. To address Jesus as Lord implies a serious level of engagement with him. Uh, I I think that this is like, you know, it's hard to explain. um, Do you have people in your life that they are close like family and you just start referring to them as this is my brother. This is my, this is my cousin. This is my, my this. I know like, you know, my, my cousin Dwayne and his family sitting up here. We do this all the time. Like there's people that I'm like, I don't know how we're related, but cousin just makes sense, right? Like, it, like, like at some point, and you're kind of, I, I know you're not my uncle because you're not my dad's brother, but you're too old to be my cousin. So we're just going to call you uncle. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and you just have like people that, but then also you have like family to where they start growing up uh, you, they grow up with, with um, them around the house and like your kids know them as aunt so-and-so or, or uncle so-and-so. I think like that's how we should view the idea of Lord here. 
is that if we have an association with Jesus, we can call him Lord. Does anybody that you know that's far from God have a, have a relationship with Jesus as Lord? Is he like their king? No, he wouldn't be. There's not, there's not that, that reverence there. There's not that like, uh, closeness to where there would be this family sort of, uh, of relationship. We, a lot of times we start our prayers with saying, Father God or our Father or something like that, because the relationship should be that of, of one of our heavenly Father. If you don't have that, that's like the man upstairs or, you know, shout out to God, making it all possible. Like when you win an award or something like that. Does that make sense? Like, like that's what people do. Um, he continues on and he says, um, everyone, then who, everyone then who hears these words of mine. Actually, hold on real quick. I want to go back for a second. Uh, he's, uh, in, in the, ver- the verse before he says, Jesus says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I just want you to imagine like, you know, like, like Jesus, the king of the universe, our Lord and savior. What if these were the words you heard out of his mouth? I never knew you. So the indication of no relationship, depart from me. You can't be in proximity towards him. And the idea of you workers of lawlessness as somebody, as an opponent. Like, like Jesus is saying like, You like it's as if we don't have a relationship. It's as if like you know, like I I I have nothing to do with you. I don't want you near me, and I basically view you as somebody on the other team. Played a lot of sports in high school. I couldn't tell you one name of one kid except for one because he was that good. He played college ball. I like I know one name of one kid that I played against. Everybody else, they were just on the other team. What if that that's that's how Jesus referred to you as? as you workers of lawlessness. Then the verse says, he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. So Jesus is like keeping with the same idea, but with the, with the um, you know, like with the hope that people would, would, um, would buy into this, that people would hear and do them. So the idea of hearing and doing, we have to be hearers and doers. This would be like, if you ever went to the church we came out of, Pastor Clark almost always uh, prayed this as he got into his message. He'd be like, God, like, not us just hear, not, let us not just hear the words this morning, but put them into practice. Jesus makes a connection between folks who not only hear his word, but also puts in the action. So hearing is what the disciples in the crowds, they were already doing it. But Jesus is getting to the end of his sermon and he's saying like, all right, look, y'all can't sit on this mount forever. You know, y'all just can't sit here and do this. And by the way, this would become a problem because what would these people do? Were all these people that sat here at the Sermon on the Mount, would, would they just like leave home and go and be salt and light? Well, unfortunately not, because we know that at least a portion of these people would follow him to the feeding of the 5,000. They're just waiting for him to say something else or do something else. Or they're just going to wait until. He goes and, you know, like we know some of these people were probably there at the tomb when he raised Lazarus. But all they're doing is listening. And unfortunately, the only thing that these, some of these folks would have done would be the ones yelling for him to crucify him. See, Jesus knew way back when that there has to be a connection of, doing, uh, of, of listening and doing something. There used to be this lady that uh, cleaned my parents' house growing up. Um, and she was the epitome of... Uh, of, uh, of uh, 
church video like lady. Every room in her house, she would turn on like every pastor in the area and like she would have him like blaring throughout like the house. <laughs> but the minute that the TV went off, she was like cussing up a storm, yelling at people, yelling at her workers and things. And I'm like, but how are you not saturated in everything? I remember one time she yelled at me. I was like, but it's like, dang, your room's dirty. And I'm like, I know, but isn't, never mind. But like, you know, like, 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 like that was the epitome of who she was. That like, if I'm not watching TV, I'm yelling and cursing at everybody. And if I'm not yelling and cursing at everybody, I'm watching church on TV. But the, the point, there's got to be a connection between listening and doing something. See, listen, hearing is not the option, especially for you guys, because you're, you're under the teaching. Hearing is not the option. Doing is. Later in verse 26, the distinction is only in the doing. All the same circumstances. The difference is the foolish one does not do the words that they hear. There's no issue with most of us in take and in taking God's word. Do you understand that most people are willing to listen to what God has to say? It's just really hard to do it. The problem is, is presented when we're not able to work in and through it. Jesus continues, says, a, wild, a, a wise man who built his house on the rock. Can I ask you a question? What's, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability and willingness to apply spiritual truths to life circumstances. That's what wisdom is. I want you to think about Solomon. I want you to think about, like, you know, uh, um, um, like you got this guy who God says, I'll give you anything you want. He says, I'll be, you know, I, I want wisdom. And God blesses him with wisdom. And he uses that to create this amazing uh, uh, empire. Like to this day, they say that Solomon, you know, uh, per circumstances and per capita was the, is the richest man that ever lived. So he was able to take the wisdom that God gave him and flourish financially. The idea of being wise is to say, like, this is what God's telling me to do. This is who I am. Now I'm going to do something with it. So the question is, like, if you're somebody who you, like, you know, Dan, I've, I, you know, I've been at a website. I've seen the, the Bible reading plan. I've, I spend time in my word. I'm here on Sundays. I review my notes throughout the week. The question you need to be asking every time you close your Bible is, now, what am I supposed to be doing with this? Actually, one of the things that I do is sometimes I'll read my word, I'll close it, and I'll say, all right, God, like, I'm going to read through it again, and this time I want you to, like, I, wa- I want you to, like, show me what you want me to do with it this week. And he answers. Wisdom is the ability to, uh, uh, and willingness, the ability and willingness to apply spiritual truths to life circumstances. Um, what, what you cannot be separated from is what you believe. So your house, which represents your life. So he says, a wise man who built his house on a rock. So your house is, what is, represent, is representative of your life will withstand the storms of life only if you do what is right instead of just talking about it. Because what you can't be separated from is what you believe. And I think this works both ways. A lot of times like people are like, man, I, like, I trust in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Well, your life's going to be representative of that. Like, have you ever had, like, like, talk to somebody where they're almost, like, trying to prove to you? They're almost trying to, like, convince yourself? I tell you what, like, if you go to, if you would ever go to a, a football game at FedEx Field, you may not visually see it, but there are lots of Washington football fans there. We're just not wearing the jersey because we're, we're so ashamed of our team. If something good happens, you'll hear us. 
Oh, let us win nine games. Oh, we're, 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 we're we, you know, we're vocal, but you won't see it. We don't feel inclined to wear the jerseys. We're not, you know, like, it's just not, it's just not the same fandom. It's more of an internal thing. But you talk to somebody, say, oh, yeah, I've been a fan since, I've been the fan since 88. Like, we, you know, I've been with the team. It's like, but you, you would never know it if we even go to the games. I think this is the same thing with us. Man, there's lots of people that vocally, oh, yeah, I, I trust in God. I believe in Jesus. I know God. I know these things. But there's no visible representation of it because you can't be separated from what you believe. Like, like it, there's always will be a link towards it. Um, uh, the, the barrenness of this sort of faith demonstrates its real character. The faith that says, but does, the faith that says, but does not do is really unbelief. The faith that says, but does not do is really unbelief. So what that means is that if, if you're somebody that says like, I, I, I've been saved because my family saved. I'm, I believe in Jesus because I come from a family that believes in Jesus. But there's no, like, life lived towards that. And that's unbelief. I love to, like, point back to the rich young, the rich young man. This rich young man comes to Jesus and gives him his resume. But Jesus is like, well, one thing you lack. You love your money more than me. Go sell all your stuff and follow me. And a guy was unwilling to do that. It's like, well, then you don't, you don't believe in me. You don't believe that I will sustain you, that I will fulfill you because you love your stuff more. Jesus was suggesting that truth faith will not fail to produce the fruit of good works. So then like the circumstances come, Jesus says, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. I just want to reiterate to you that in both circumstances, the storms will come. I think anybody in here can, can relate to that. Like, has there been a storm in your life this year? We're halfway through the year. It's crazy to think, right? Like, like it, we're, we're, June's almost over. 2023 is almost halfway over. Has a storm happened yet? Like, ha, ha, has it been dark outside? You know, like I, one of the weirdest things about, I don't know if this happens everywhere, but I, I was just associated with Maryland, just being Maryland. Um, I don't ever know what, what to feel like. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't do great for your emotions uh, and how like the, uh, the weather changes your emotions when it's raining really hard, but it's bright outside. It's like, is this guy telling me that, you know, I'm supposed to feel good about the rain because it's still sunny, but while, while it's raining, like, 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 what do I do with this? But I don't know if you like, my wife's one of these weird people that love thunderstorms. Like it starts like raining and the lightning clapping and thunder. She's like, ooh, turn down the TV. I like the thunder. I'm like, you're a weirdo. Go in the other room and listen to it. Um, storms happen in our lives. They just do. And it's like, I want us to, I think that it comes to a hard point in time. I met a Chinese pastor one time where he was telling me about his church has fast, has times of fasting and um, and praying throughout the year where they set up times the same way that, that we would schedule Splash Zone Extreme, that their church schedules, like here are the three days a year where our church is going to fast and pray that God would give us suffering, that God would, would give us storms. And we hear that, we're like, are you serious? Because they take Paul's words seriously 
in Philippians that we should count it all joy and that having, having hard circumstances is proof of real faith. So they pray for it. In our, like, we, and this is no indication of, of us. In, in our church, in our small groups, we're praying that people get better. Right now, we, there's, there's people that are sick that are, we're praying to get better. There, there, there are folks that we're praying that they get jobs. There's college students going off uh, for the first time in the fall. There's, there's kids like that are you know, trying to get into majors and trying to get things done. We got people starting new jobs. Like, you know, we have enough to pray for. I couldn't imagine like saying, like, all right, y'all, in October, we're just going to pray that God makes us suffer. Because I just kind of, I rely on the faith of, look, I don't need to ask God for any more storms than the ones that are already going to come. I got three kids. Like, it's going to happen. You know what I mean? Somebody's going to smack somebody upside the, hell, upside the head and it's going to be a hard day. That's what's going to happen. Could you imagine that? So whether we're like in, the, in that camp of like desperately asking God for hard times and for suffering to prove the validity of faith and maybe we get there one day, maybe we don't, or just being in the camp of just realizing that they're going to happen, fact of the matter is storms come. Like, like it's something. And, and I want you to think about the verse like that, that we read that they don't just like rain down on us. They come on every angle. Uh, Jesus says that the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew. So that means every single angle. So that means that storms come down, floods come up and that, you know, winds blow on either side of us. I don't know if you've ever felt like you were being attacked at every angle where you were brought to the point of, of overwhelming I think one of the, and if that's ever happened to you, I want you to know that you were being tested and that you were in a position where God is showing you that you can withstand it. I can give you testimony of the times where I was at my breaking point to where I was like, God, just, just leave me alone. And like the voice of God was saying, but you're still standing. You're, you're here. You're able to make it. This is a new circumstance. You may feel lonely. You may feel, I don't know, like confused. You may not know what the next step is, but I'm allowing this to happen to you to show you that you're strong enough to, to, to stand here. I've made you this way because you're founded on the rock. It's a promise in scripture that storms will come. Listen, you, everybody in this room may not be at church of the well until, until they pass. But if you ever get to a church and they tell you, just give a little bit more and you'll never have any issues or just trust in God more and you'll never have any issues. You need to point this verse out to the guy and say, what about this passage? Because it promises that it'll get tough. Storms will come. Then he says, but it did not fall because that had been founded on the rock. Um, I, I want us to... to, to uh, look at this verse closely because that idea founded is, is important. Can you found something that's already built? If, if, if everybody in this room, if we would all get our money together and we would uh, go and pay for this building uh, down here on the corner by the movie theater um, and put a bonefish there, did we found the bonefish? No, it was already there. We just restarted it. I think one of the hardest parts about, you know, being a follower of Jesus is because Jesus doesn't want to 
he doesn't want to fix up the house. He doesn't, he's not Joanna Gaines. He doesn't want to, you know, like, like make it better. He doesn't want to take what's there and spruce it up a little bit and improve the, uh, the quality of the, uh, uh, of the equity of the house. He wants to start fresh. I think one of the reasons why a lot of adults don't come to Jesus, you know, in their adult ages, their lives are already founded. They, they've, they've built their lives on something. And so if you, if you offer a way, and, and pastors do this, if you offer a way where they can just kind of add Jesus into their life that they've already built, they can get with that. But it's kind of like this. Like, have you ever had a crack in your basement? Anybody ever had any, any house problems like this? Go into your basement, you see a crack. This happened at my, um, at my parents' house where there was a crack in the basement. They brought somebody out and they patched up the crack. Six months later, guess what happened? The crack, the, the crack came back. That's weird. <laughs> I should have thought about that beforehand. The crack came back and they had to, and they patched it up again. And it kept happening and it kept happening because the problem was with the foundation. They actually had to go back in and, 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 and reestablish the foundation of the house, which is expensive. They had to dig down and they had to actually like pour cement to like to fill in the foundation of the house, basically re-pour a foundation. Um, that's the goal of Jesus in our life. It did not fall because it had been founded of the life. One of the hardest things for any adult to do is say, I, I'm struggling with following Jesus. And the problem is because you're probably just trying to add him into who you already are. Especially if you think that you're already a good person. If you think like, you know what? I, I'll be doing it out here. I'm nice to people. You know, every time I'm on the highway and I want to get over, I put my blinker on. You know, I don't cuss nobody out. It is 695, you know. It'd be happening. But the struggle in following Jesus is the willingness to start over. It's the willingness to kind of count our progress and offer to Jesus as a sacrifice. By the way, he can do a lot more with your progress than you ever could. Then it continues, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, Listen, many people are headed for destruction, not out of stubbornness, but out of thoughtlessness. They just refuse to think about it. They just refuse to, to give time to it. Um, when, when you think about, um, a lot of people like to think about their approach to faith as something that they do when they're ready to settle down. Like, I, I've lived my life now. Now it's time for me to get, now it's time for me to, to settle in and to actually give mind to what I think happens after I die. But I don't know about you, but like I, I watch the news as much as anybody else. I, I'm shocked sometimes at like how people, just healthy young people die every day, right? Me and Brian were talking about Ray Lewis's son yesterday and how distraught Ray Lewis must be this weekend on Father's Day. Like I, I'm sure they never thought about that. And I don't know the guys, so I'm not going to speak ill of the dead. But I just, I'm sure they never thought about that situation like that. We see this all the time. We had a, a young man that we're connected to um, earlier this year pass. Knew Jesus, loved Jesus. But nobody thinks like these things. And what's bigger than just the, uh, the idea of like, you know, where we're going to spend eternity. It's the idea that, you know, we have to understand that, we, we have to understand and impress upon people that you got to think about this. 
Like there's nobody who's a financial, you know, either an accountant or an investor that doesn't encourage everybody around them like, hey, it's great to have money now. I know you want to take that vacation, but put money aside. Put it in a 401k, put it, you know, uh, uh, put it in a high yielding saving account. Put these things aside. Why are we not making that same investment, that same, you know, investment uh, advice to folks who just don't think about it? When I was a youth pastor, this was the question I always like got kids with like, well, what about this? You know what, Dan, I haven't thought about that. Because the things that we consume and the things that we love today, they require us not to. Like if you're going to enjoy all that life has to enjoy in our culture, it kind of requires you to put everything else to the side and say, I'm, I'm not thinking down the line. I'm, I'm going to have fun now. Yes, we're supposed to have, enjoy life and enjoy life abundantly. But we can't be people that just operate out of thoughtlessness. Jesus continues, he says, in a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Um, the idea of, of something, uh, um, uh, going back to the idea of having a crack in the wall, is that the problem with the, uh, in the foundation or in the wall is that foundations shift over time unless it's rock. You ever been to a beach house? You know, um, it's built on these huge, long, like, uh, um, poles that they have to, it's actually like, you know, three times as long as you think they are because it has to get down to, to the place where there's some solid rock down there. And, some, and the problem with like building something on a, on a, uh, on a shifting foundation is that it's going to move. You know, my, my kids love the beach and, even more to the beach, they love sand, and they think it's funny when they get Daddy Sandy. And the reason why I can't, I can't stand it is because it just comes with you. The reason why it comes with you is because it's easy to pick up. If you go out into the water and you think you're staying in the same spot, you look up and you're like, you know, 10, 20 yards down the beach. I think that for a lot of us, when we, when we think about Building our house on sands, we think about the location. We think that it's easy to go there. It's fun to be there, Man, but it's not sustainable. So let me close with these two questions, y'all. First is this. Are you seriously sure that your foundation is built on Jesus? Are you seriously sure? A lot of times I ask my kids the questions like, are you sure? Are you sure that you're sure? Are you positive that you're sure? Are you seriously positive that you're sure? And they'll still say yes. And they, you know, if it's like forgetting something, they still forgot it. I think like, you know, the reason why I asked about this is is based on that that word of foundation. Are you sure that it's built on the foundation of Jesus? Are you sure that you're sure? Because if it's not, man, that like there's, there's, there's too much, there's too much damage that could be done. There's too much ruin that can happen. I think that sometimes God sends the storms in our lives to see that our foundation wasn't built on him in the first place, is that it was built on sand. Second question is this, is there evidence that you are built on the foundation of Jesus? Is that evidence present? And I'm not just saying that like you look the part or you act, you know, like that people, you know, do this, but like, do you see the evidence? Do you see it? Do, like, like, are, are, like, do you have that connection with the Lord? And sometimes it's the fact that you've been through storms, you've come out on the other side of it. It's not that you've been through it and, you, you, uh, um, and that you were happy about it, but it's sometimes it's that 
I have been tested. I have been spent. I don't understand why God does it, but he does it. And I'm still here because of it. I mean, like, I'm sure that, like, you think about people in the Old Testament, like Daniel, Daniel sitting in the lion's den. I'm sure Daniel wasn't the happiest with God. Like, I'm sitting here with lions, bro. <laughs> you think that he was, like, just, like, singing, like, like it's in there, like, singing, like, songs, like, you know, Joyce, like, oh, he's probably scared. But the other time, like, how, 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 how strong a faith you must do to, to do that willingly. Or even like, you know, his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're, they're in a furnace. And they're like, hey, our God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to turn from him. Man, is there evidence that you're built in the foundation of Jesus? Amen? Would you pray with me? You just listened to a message from Dane Carraway, the pastor of Church at the Well in Towson, Maryland. To learn more about our church and to support what we're doing in the greater Baltimore area, visit our website, thewellbaltimore.com. Thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Church at the Well. May God bless you.